Hey everybody, I am Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Today, I have the amazing honor of interviewing not only one of my really close friends, but one of uh, the most important people in my journey. Uh, Melinda Cumby has been there for me since I first started teaching and traveling and she was at one of my very first classes and I remember meeting her in the audience and uh, she had come to another class of mine and we had gotten to have a conversation and the way she talked about how my education had helped her and the way she saw me for what I was actually doing I was just like oh my god somebody gets why I'm doing this and I asked her to introduce me one day, uh, that day for our class. And she said, yes. And ever since that day, Melinda has been a part of my journey, a part of mastermind, a part of my life. And she really sees what we're doing to elevate the beauty industry. And not only has she helped me believe in myself because, you know, there are people who believe in me, but there are also people who help me believe in myself. And Melinda is more than a student. She's a really close friend and somebody who has helped me have the confidence to be who I am and be my best for you guys. So I've learned so much from her about life, about business, about relationships, about hair, about recovery, about so many things. And she has just been such a special and amazing person in my life. And I know this conversation is going to be life-changing for a lot of you who hear it. And it's just really an honor for me to introduce you to someone so important to me and so special in my life. So welcome, Melinda, to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm feeling good. Thank you for that very sweet and warm introduction. It's going to make me cry. That's <laughs> sweet and all so true. <laughs> I love you so much. I wanted to talk with you about your story and your journey and hopefully share with my audience here who, you know, maybe some people who are struggling in their career and you can share some of your wisdom, share your story, what you've been through and help them on their journey. The same way you've helped me on mine, really, just by being you. So let's talk about your story and your journey. Tell me about how you first started in the industry. Oh, gosh. Well, this year I've been doing um, hair behind the chair for about 31 years. Uh, you know, it, it's a funny story how I got started because I'm definitely not the hairdresser that always wanted to be a hairdresser. Um, I know that's shocking sometimes, but I wasn't the little girl playing with Barbies and wanting to do everybody's hair. Um, I actually took cosmetology in high school because it was near building trades <laughs> so we got a good view of all those uh all those boys but <laughs> I, I just you know i took it and my friends took it um i ended up getting a job in a salon as an assistant and um you know i don't know if people still call them this but i was a shampoo girl back in those days all through high school and 
really, I think I fell in love with the connection um, as an assistant. You know, I got to see everybody, you know, not just one person, one client. I got to experience all different personalities and shampoo, all different, you know, walks of life and connect. And I actually really enjoyed being a shampoo girl. Um, and I guess then I started falling in love. I got my license when I was um, a senior in high school, right before I graduated. And the rest is history. I just started um, in behind the chair. And I would say I had a love for the people before I had a love for the craft. Um, yes, I guess there's some natural ability there, but I, I really just, it was always people for me. And, and having someone come in every 30 minutes and sharing in their lives and them sharing in mine um, over the last 30 years has really brought me to the place that I am. <laughs> Being a hairdresser in the middle of a pandemic, never thought I would say that, but here we all are. But yeah, so that's kind of what got me started. You know, just took the class um, and here, here I am. I just never thought, honestly, that I would even stay in it. I went to a year and a half of community college because I thought maybe I wanted to be a social worker, but, um, me uh, too. I did a, I did a year and a half of community college to be a social worker. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. We have so much in common and we learn more and more every day. <laughs> I know that's crazy. Where do you start and where do I end? Um, but yeah, so, and then I just, every day I fell more in love with the industry and um, the people in it and the educators. And um, I kind of always just saw our industry also as, I don't know, I just think we're world changers. I do. I think we are. I think we have a tremendous impact um, on communities and um, even a bigger, broader spectrum. My tent has expanded as I've done hair. Awesome. What would you say to someone who's not necessarily a people person? How do you be that people person? Like you, you can totally tell that you are amazing with people and you know, some people that doesn't come naturally. Like, what do you tell them? Well, I guess, I, I guess I would tell you to, to check your motives while you're doing what you're doing. You know, what, um, what are you gravitating towards? I, I definitely, obviously you don't have to be a people person to do really good hair. But for me, I guess there's just such a connection. I have seen in my, in my years of doing hair, Gina, I have seen some of the best stylists and some of the ones, let's just say they struggle in the craft. And um, I have seen somebody struggle behind the chair, you know, maybe not give the best haircuts, maybe not have the knowledge of color that say the stylist beside them. But when they engage and, and they are people for the people, I don't know, I've seen them almost be more successful than someone who tends to excel in their craft. So I would say check your motives. Life's too short to be doing something that you don't want to do. If you're not a people person, then find something where you don't have to be, you know, right in there. Um, but for me, I'm just a people person. I'm an empath. I love being around all different walks of life. Um, born and raised in a college town. 
so I have college kids, I have uh, professors, I have the locals. Uh, it's a very transit area. I've been exposed to a lot. So, um, and also too, if you desire to be a people person, just start the conversation. Just start the conversation and um, just be you. I think sometimes, especially with social media now and comparison, we're always trying to be another person when really all we need to be is just us. And it's more than enough, I have found, um, especially behind my chair. Just Melinda is more than enough. That's who they're coming to see. So just be you. And if you're not a people person, then I don't know. Maybe you should look outside this industry. I know, because it is all about, yeah, and it is all about the people. And I love that you said being Melinda's more than enough, because so many times we try to buy the right product, we try to do the right technique, we try to post the right way, we try to do the right things all the time, and we can't even be present with our guest because our mind's in a hundred other places. And, you know, I would even say that if you're not a people person, it's maybe you're just not getting that connection the way that you need mm-hmm. to get it and maybe you have to slow down and if you really yeah. want to connect and and you know be around if you really want to connect more with your guest and you want to be a people person because if you're a stylist and you get stressed out by people it can be really difficult and that is like something yeah. that people do struggle with and yeah. um well you know if just... I could say this too I'm sorry Gina to interrupt If I could say this too, um, I'm also a big advocate of, you know, early on, I I was exposed to some really um, great platform artists and educators. And with that being said, I'm someone that doesn't believe you always have to recreate the wheel. Um, I'm not sure there's anything out there that's super new. It's just regurgitated from something else. And, um, I early on realized to honor the person in front of me. And if they had something that I wanted to aspire to be, no matter what it was, I literally had no issue with just trying to be like that person, but honoring that person, always giving credit to, um, I like to call them the architects of my life, the people who have helped build me. And, um, And then I would add Melinda to it. So there's so many, there are so many wonderful people out there willing to share education, willing to share themselves. And I mean, you you were one of those, you know, when I met you in Atlanta, I just knew there was something about you that was different in our, in our education and in our industry. I've also seen so many, like, I like to call them Billy Ray Cyrus, <laughs> you know, they're here today, they're gone tomorrow moments. And, um, or they're pitching products, which, hey, I'm all about sales. But for me, it's just got to be a little bit more than that. So when, for example, when I saw you, I'm like, what is she doing that I want to do? And I'm going to do it just like she tells me to do. Once I, once I'm sold and I buy into it, I'm going to do it just like that person does. And then I'm going to add myself to it. I'm going to add Melinda to it. I'm going to add, you know, my spin on it. Um, but when you see that passion in someone and you see them doing something and you're like, I, I want to do that. And so many times, I think, especially sometimes the younger generation is just trying to be so authentic and so, you know, um, 
how do I say it, being authentic, but also being, you know, copying to the point where they um, come in and they try to they try to be that person, but sometimes they don't want to give honor to that person, and they try to create something so new when there's so many things out there that are working for us right now. So why not link up with these people who are doing what we want to do and add ourselves to them? Um, you know, I struggle with comparison a little bit, and social media has really. Um, kind of made that even bigger in my life but thank god in recovery i've been able to kind of recognize that but i also really believe in just linking arms with someone and you're like you know what i have no issue with saying i want to be like that person do what they're doing learn what they're learning say what they're saying uh and then add melinda to it and give honor where honor is due I totally agree with you and thank you for saying that um, I'm an honor it's honored in honor for me to be an architect of your life and I love when yeah, you say you architect of my life because for me like I have those mentors too like I have Tony Robbins Tabitha Coffee Nina Kovner Robert Cromines Neil Dukoff mm -hmm. like these are the people who I learn from and I never try to rip off what they have taught me I always will give honor and credit to them because I want to honor my mentors and I want to always give them that credit and I'm sure they learned from people before them and people before them and people before them and it's really important to you know have those people in your life who help you grow and I love that you said like stop trying to like copy and link arms like it doesn't always have to be reinvented I totally agree with that and it takes a lot of the stress and pressure off like when you're original Absolutely. and you just give credit you know because like you said there are not a lot of things that haven't already been done um you don't have to reinvent the wheel and it's so true that's why a lot of my education goes back to the three ways to grow your business average ticket frequency visit and new clients mm -hmm. and everything off of that that applies to our industry and things that i've actually done like things that have actually worked for me as a stylist, salon owner, educator and everything. So it, you're right. It's taking from your mentor, but putting your spin on it and giving credit where credit's due and honoring them. And I love that. I totally love that. I love it too. And it creates community. You know, Gina, it creates community. And I think where a lot of stylists, um, sometimes behind the chair, um, when they're out of community, they get burned out. You know, when they're there, when we, I should sit to an I statement, when I am trying to do things on my own and I'm pushing against things, I find that's where burnout comes from me. It's when I'm out of community. And I, I think being in a loop with other people, that's what is so important to me about the network is, is the connection, the networking when um, I am feeling stressed out or I am feeling like I'm not good enough or, you know, I had that thing happen behind the chair. It's, it's that community of people that you build within like the network and mastermind that you can reach out and just feel so much. It just levels you up a little bit more and lets you know that you're not alone. And so when I, if I'm out here trying to just, you know, flying solo, just, uh, it always comes back. That's when I start feeling burnout is when I get out of community. Yeah. And that's, I just, I think hairdressers were, if it's our true passion, I think we're built for community, obviously. So, um, 
but you have to be intentional about it. You have to be intentional about community and getting yourself involved in education and around people who are going to share ideas and create that loop because it's no fun if we don't share it. It's no fun if we don't share what we know. And, um, and I think information is lost on a greater scale when we aren't in community. Yeah. And when you're a lone wolf, I mean, Mm -hmm. think of the characteristics of a lone wolf, defensive, tired, probably hunting all day (laughs) and Mm -hmm. trying to do everything themselves and be alone and burnt out. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be like that. And I don't know why I wrote down lone wolf, but like you were saying, like when you're isolating and you're not in that community, it does get exhausting and it does feel lonely and it does, you know, it doesn't feed your soul as much as it could when you can be around people who are like-minded. And when I started doing master stylist certification and that's where I met you and I really want to do that class again I just don't know when we're going to be able to meet you know I mean we have we have a class coming up and you know I'm just still get nervous scheduling classes way out but I have to get over it but you know master stylist was great and when I taught that class it was like the first of its kind almost with hair and business with the Instagram age of like real business advice, in my opinion, like it was a very in-depth class and like no one was really teaching like that. People were teaching technique. Um, and it was like kind of the first of its kind and people needed support. Like they wanted to connect after, and that's where mastermind really came from is connecting people who had experienced this together. Um, and it was, you know, from the education that mastermind was born and getting those like-minded people together and having people who have this information, have people to reach out to and who, instead of complaining in a hair forum about a problem would want to come to the group with a couple of solutions and have ways that we can all grow and elevate together. You know, that class was so instrumental in my life. I, I, you know, I, it was, yeah, it was the two day, the business and the hair and, um, no disrespect. The hair was good, but man, do I remember that business class? Okay. That business class, I kind of like to describe it as, you know, you're in church and, you know, I'm from the South. If if no one can tell by my accent, I'm, I'm Southern. And, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes even ministers need encouragement, right? And, you know, you're, I'm a believer when you're amen and all over the place, it's information you've already heard. When you're silent, it's new information. That first day of your business class, I was probably the most silent I've ever been. It was such new information, you know, with some other spins that I'd heard before, but it was such a relatable, tangible um, way. And I remember in that class, you know, in thinking about it, you had us all go around and introduce ourselves. And what clicked in my head is it was such a resounding noise in there of what we were all struggling with, whether we were booth rental, whether we were commission salons, whether we've been doing hair for years or just a brand new baby stylist. And it just immediately everybody was unified. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you did that, but it was just boom. We were all connected. I still talk to people out of that class. Um, I sent a girl a baby shower gift Aww. that I met out of my class a couple of weeks ago. Um, she, you know, super proud of her. We still connect, but 
that business class that day changed my career. I mean, you know, you know this, I've said this before. I went on, I, I think since then, I've, I've made a total of, of uh, probably over $100,000 more after taking that masterclass with you. And just, again, implementing what you said, what to do, and then adding myself to it. Um, it was by far one of the best uh, business classes in the industry I think I've ever had. Thank you. And doable. And doable. It really um, is. It really is doable. And it's easy. It's just accountability and actually doing it. Um, yeah. totally. And I love that you brought up the introduction part of the class because I always ran late in that class. Like it always ended late, but I would never skip introductions because mm -hmm. when someone would stand up and I would say, what's your name? Where are you from? Why are you here? Um, that person had a chance to be heard and seen from the group. And it really gave them the opportunity to make connections. Someone would be like, oh yeah, hey, I'm from this area too. Or, hey, I'm struggling from this too. Um, or I, you know what I mean? And they would yeah, connect yeah. right then and there. Yeah. And when we, we did a lot of breaks, cause it was a two, it was a 16 hour training. So we did a lot of breaks and ate a lot. And, you know, it was, it, it was a great way to really connect and network. And, you know, I always say, like, like when I teach, uh, job skills and interviewing and resumes and stuff, I always say, what would you say if someone said, what kind of tree would you be in a job interview? And my answer would be, I would be a Christmas tree. Cause I would bring everybody together. Like one of my values, <laughs> true values is bringing people together and connecting people. And, yeah. you know, one day I was talking about, um, closing my employee base on and opening a new one. And I was like, you know what? I want to just open a salon and call it the network and have all of my friends work there or have a way where we can all get together. And I talked about it years ago. And then one day I was just like, I'm fucking doing it because I knew that we need this connection. And in the industry, yes. it can be very lonely and, you know, not for anything, Melinda, when I was teaching five ways to foil in 2018, that was my first tour. I did like 15 or 20 cities of just five ways to foil. And part of five ways to foil was social media and pre-booking. Those were the two big parts of five ways to foil during the processing time. When my assistant was f washing and toning and styling, I would talk about social media because Instagram was mm -hmm. just like, you know, killing it. And I would talk about pre-book. And when I asked the class, how many of you guys pre-book your appointments or know your pre-book percentage, I would get one in 50 people raise their hand. And those yeah. moments, I was just like, they're missing out on why they're not booked. And I took a huge risk in 2019 and did an added business to my curriculum because business isn't sexy. Stylists would rather watch you paint. And it right. is hard to sell business. And even working with brands like to take me seriously has been extremely difficult because it's all about selling product. It's all about sell, 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 sell. It's all about technique, 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 or look like this or do this or use this. And you know what, in order for you to live the life that you want to live, you have to know how to take control and make it happen. You can't just rely on your art all the time. Right. And you know, a philosophy that I kind of have like my head spinning around with all these things in it right now, but one thing is, um, you, you kind of like, I was pre-booking when I came to, um, your class, but one of the things that was kind of like career changing new idea 
was that you told us to uh, pre-book at the beginning of the appointment. And I was like, what? And that was genius. I've been doing that. Like, let's set up for your next one. It was almost in that consultation. We already took care of pre-booking. We already took care of if it was going to take a couple of sessions. We already took care of some expectations. Um, I already am, am saying, I want you back. You know, I, and almost like, I feel like almost every color we get now is almost a correction color and clients don't know if you, you know, we put so much out there and I can be guilty for it too about, you know, kind of making silly memes about correctional color and things like that. But I've learned during the pandemic, you know, people had to do what they had to do for those couple of months that we were shut down. And um, I've, I've tried to make a real solid effort in letting my clients know in that free book, I personally want you back in my chair creating that connection and i think one of the greatest things about your business and what you teach is it creates intimacy and you know people are afraid of intimacy and it's like how can you bridge intimacy and business well for me you know intimacy is into me you see and when that is skipped over in classes you know, because we're so afraid, like, what are we going to do if I'm not pre-booking? What if I don't have a full book? What if I only want to work three days a week? We, we assume what everyone else is thinking, and we try to mold ourselves into that, and we, we push back against intimacy because we don't want people to see who we are behind the chair because we're constantly comparing ourselves. But in that class, that introduction and that day of business it created such a business intimacy into, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's butts and chairs, okay? It's butts and chairs. We've got to have people in our chairs. You know, um, it, I, I say too, it, it's not about the numbers and don't make it about the numbers. And when I have this education that I have had with you, I don't have to worry about my numbers as much. Because you worry about the, yeah, you worry about the relationship and the steps that you take, like pre-booking during the consultation is going to guarantee a butt in your chair in six weeks, like the exactly. little steps that you take. And I love, like, if I can just pause and say, like, I love, like, I didn't invent pre-booking. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I learned from a strategies class, and I'm going to have Neil Dukoff on here, the inventor of strategies and the creator of team-based pay, who a lot of people say they're doing team-based pay, but if you're not doing it the strategies way, you're not doing it. I'm sorry. They are the creators. And I did 18 months of coaching and probably 20 seminars with them to get where I am today and wow. learn this education. Like I have an incredible, mm -hmm. incredible education when it comes to this shit. And I learned from a strategies class that the pre-book benchmark should be 80% of your guests leaving the salon should be 80% pre-booked because our productivity in the salon with 15 stylists was at 50, 60% and we weren't busy and I'm paying everybody team-based pay. I'm paying hourly and I'm like, we're dying. I was like, I can't make payroll if we're not busy. And instead of shaking my finger at my stylist, I said, we need a system. And I created the system. I bought like five or six iPads. I put them on the stations and I said, listen, this is the dialogue. When your guest comes in, you go through the system, you talk to them about their yeah. hair and you say, this is when it needs to come back. What day do I, I see you're here on Monday at five. I think this needs to be done eight weeks, Monday at five. Are you available Monday at five or Monday at five 30? 
You don't say, do you want a pre-book? Yes or no. You say, what are the things? And you know what, Melinda, you saying that you, that was a big game changer for you. But then you say, you put your Melinda way on it saying like, I personally want you back in my chair. Like that's next level in my opinion, because not only did you take the advice, you made it your own. And that's like my dream for everybody who learns from me. Well, and you know, again, I, you know, with, they're my, my pre-books are my bread and butter. And let me tell you something in the middle of a pandemic, I'm grateful for my bread and butter. You better believe I'm grateful for my pre-book. I'm grateful um, for those four, five, six, eight, ten week people. Heck, I'm 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 thankful for my my two year balayages or, or twice a year my balayages. And you know, I've tried to brand myself the last six years as someone in, you know that does balayages and blondes. And let me say that has been a joy and it has been wonderful. But they are not my bread and butter. My pre-books are my bread and butter. You know, for me, also living in a, in a very transitional town, um, you know, people come and go. And it's been my pre-book, uh, you know, this whole time that has catapulted me into being able to do all of these other um, specialty services. And it may sound a little bit, you know, old school, but I think I'm just talking to the everyday person behind the chair about pre-booking. And doing that, pre-booking doesn't have to just be something, you know, rote that we do. It doesn't have to just be another thing. Oh, I've got to get this person pre-booked. If I could so say this, you've taught me to pre-book in a very luxury way. And it's made me feel good. You know, only speaking from what I can say, especially when I was a young spouse and still at 48 years old, when that client pre-books with me, it's a confident booster to me. It makes me feel good as a stylist that they see the value in what I'm offering, that I treated them well that day. And it also, you know, says to them, hey, I want you back, you know, and I don't know, pre-booking can be like a luxury add-on if you kind of think about it if you think about it pre-booking can be that luxury add-on and um i'm really grateful for it at this point in my career with what we've been facing this last year um pre-book has been my bread and butter it's paid my bills (laughs) yeah totally and i know people are saying now like i know brit siva had a podcast out saying the dangers of pre-booking and not to pre-book everybody and all the different things and i love brit i do disagree heavily with the pre-book uh the especially during a pandemic and especially you know when stylists need to have some kind of certainty and security in their business and i really Mm -hmm. do think and i've i've even said to brit i'm like we need to do a debate on this because i i do love her and everything I think she's great, but I heavily disagree with, uh, not pre-booking, especially if you have the opportunity to do so. Uh, and there's Uh, tons of different ways you can adapt your business and adapt your dialogue and adapt your schedule and adapt to pre-booking, especially if you're a busy stylist and you need to raise your prices. I think we need to build relationships with our guests where they respect us and they understand that we're in this to grow and we do things in a boundaried way. And we do things in a clear as kind, unclear as unkind way where we let them know like, Hey, if I have to make changes to my business, I'm not going to be afraid because I've got guests pre booked out. I'm going to be like, Hey, 
these are my amazing guests. And if I do lose a couple, at least 80% of my, my book is full, you yeah. know, does that I, make I sense? It totally makes sense. And, and I don't think that, that for me, just personally, me, pre-booking has taken away any of my, um, purpose or my power to, to get those services in there that I really, you know, also want to do like, you know, say that person does, um, you know, want to get in last minute, you know, I've learned that sometimes they just no. Um, I've also learned, let's just be honest, if I'm really going to do it, want to do it, I'm going to make a way to do it. And on the other hand, they'll wait for me. But the time that I get more nervous about all of that is when I've been intimidated to raise my prices, to make that, that lead room. Um, but yeah, pre-booking for me has, has been a wheelhouse kind of thing. You know, it has been, it's catapulted me and it's, it, it has served me well. It yeah. has served me well, especially the way you taught how to do it. It brought a new spin to it. Yeah, totally. And if you don't want to pre-book a guest because they're not for you, like if they're not a good fit, that's a different situation. <laughs> You know Absolutely. what I mean? If, if you, if it's not working out, that's a different situation. And, you know, just having the options, uh, and the security of having your books, 80% full is such a powerful feeling to know like, yeah. Hey, and then if you're, you know, still taking new, new guests and marketing yourself and growing yourself, having 20% of your book books to fill or 30% of your books to fill instead of 80, 90 and empty books. Like it is so much more stressful and so much more time you spend marketing. You know, you don't yeah. have to spend so much time, but, uh, posting and, you know, reaching out to all of these people. Like at the end of the day, like the best way to get new guests is to focus on the ones you have, you mm -hmm. know, take great care of them and have a referral program. Well, it's back to, you know, that teaching that you did at the network, you know, uncertainty, significance, variety, that, that teaching for me, um, I, I never realized how much certainty I need. Pre-book is certainty to me. And then I can add in my variety, making people feel significant. Yeah. And let's talk about still, Let's talk about and yeah. give people context for that because, um, someone who might not have been at that class. So she's talking about the My six. Yeah. She's talking about the six human needs. And I learned this through Tony Robbins and my Tony Robbins coaching training that I do pretty much all human beings live to meet these needs and all day long, we're meeting these needs, whether we know it or not. So me recording this podcast with Melinda could meet my need for certainty because I release an episode episode every Monday. It meets the need for variety because I don't really know what we're going to talk about meets the need for connection and love because I love her meets <laughs> the need for significance. Like I want to make her feel significant and special and like she matters. And for me, I love to be that person in her life. Uh, it could meet the need for growth because obviously a podcast is going to help me and my guest and my business grow and contribution, which is going to, you know, give back to the industry. So doing this podcast meets and exceeds all of my needs. So it's certainty, thing, yeah, certainty, <laughs> certainty, uncertainty and variety, significance, 
love and connection, growth and contribution. Those are the six human needs. And we try to hit these needs all day long. It just depends on what we're doing. And sometimes we do needs in an unhealthy way. Sometimes we do it in a healthy way. And I've done courses at the network and I've done courses, intimate courses with my, um, with my students about how we can meet those needs for our customers, how we could exceed those needs for our customers and make it crazy, fucking crazy to get your hair done anywhere else. I, I love it so much. I feel like there could just be a whole training on that alone. It's coming. That helped me. <laughs> I'm telling you, that helped me so much. Um, I have had the opportunity to um, teach it in a salon. I had the opportunity to share it with um, the recovery group that I work with. It That alone... Uh, I love it. I use, I tell my clients about it. Um, but yeah, so like pre-booking and just add on services and everything like in that first class, um, it, it met those needs for me, you know, the giving back, the growth, the love. I love that teaching with my whole heart. Like I think every, every person should have that, you know, if I could say one thing, you know, run, don't walk to get that kind of teaching because it, it I mean, I've even used it in my marriage. I mean, that, it just filters down to every single thing, but in my business and how I treat people and having a new business now and having people who rent from me and knowing how to speak their language and make it effective, you know, taking that and using that um it's just like another thing to add to my tool belt so it's my favorite thing one of my very favorite things that you've taught is um that i love it i'm so glad that i made a difference for you oh, <laughs> you've made cute. a difference for me about that all day. oh gina i love you so much you you came along and just uh you blew the dust off of me i've always had a hunger for education and and a passion for it and you were like a breath of fresh air because not only you know was it the hair part of it but it you know it was the business aspect that I felt like at this point in my life I so desperately needed to um just to kind of continue on and it's given me certainty it's given me you know significance it's created a loop and um you know, I believe uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And uh, that certainly was the case. And also meeting other people through you, like our mastermind family, man, I love those people. Um, that's probably been one of the most difficult parts of, um, you know, not being able to visit and go see everybody at the network and just be together. My, my heart longs to be back together with my squad. So I'm looking forward to in-person um, education. I think it's great, you know, we can get so much online and, and educators like yourself give so much of themselves um, on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, YouTube and all these other platforms. But there is nothing like being in the room with that educator in that moment and, and feeling that passion and and you're made to feel like you've been seen and that, that there's nothing like it. So I, I can't wait to get back to in-person education. I know me too. I'm so excited. 
I can't wait. And you know, I built that place for in person. So it's just going to be, it's just going to be so great when we get back together. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. I can't wait. And just think about everybody. When we come back together, the people um, that I've met at the network, they have opened businesses. Mind you, in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, a lot of you guys did. (laughs) Crazy. But, you know, it's like when you have those tools for business, and I don't know, it's like preparing. I kind of feel like in some ways the education that I have gotten in the last couple of years and the exposure to other people has catapulted me in such a way to prepare me to open the business in the pandemic and to prosper. I'm, I'm so shook and blessed on how, how much I'm prospering during this time, which in return creates a loop for me to be able to give more back into my community, give, you know, more encouragement, give more of my finances uh, during this time. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of times that you can't stop things from coming, but you can prepare and I think smart, smart people or people like if you're listening to this podcast, one of the best ways that you can prepare for things like this, whoever thought we'd be in a pandemic, right? Never. Um, but it's to get the education and the business side of things and constantly be filling your tool house with how to run your business. You know, how, what's the right way to open a business? What do you do when you open that business? What, how is it with commission? versus, you know, booth rental or salon suites. I never saw myself doing this, but because of Gina and her education and also working on myself um, in this recovery program that I'm involved in, here I am. Here I am and, and, you know, it's okay to say I'm I'm doing really well, (laughs) you know, I'm doing really well and, I've gotten, you know, my, it's helped me get my daughter, you know, set up in a business. And I, I, you know, I just, I'm so grateful, Gina. I'm just so grateful, just so incredibly grateful for the education that you have offered us. And, um, you know, well, you I, did it. You're the one who are is you are the one who's executing it beautifully and following your dreams and believing in yourself. And I think a lot of that goes to show like how much you put back into yourself. Can you tell us about your recovery programming group that you do? Is that something you're open to talking yeah. about? Yeah, hundred percent. So um, I am a part of a community called Celebrate Recovery. Um, Actually, you know, before then, I did things in the community, helping, uh, you know, young uh, single moms. Um, I had like, um, I would always, I always have diapers and wipes on me. <laughs> Sounds crazy, but I do. I'm always willing. I got things that I can help moms with, and they actually had this meeting about celebrate recovery. And I thought, well, if I go, you know, it'll give me a broader network to help people which isn't that the way it always is, you know, I'm going to show up and I'm going to help people. And then I realized very shortly after it, um, I also needed some healing and some work. And um, they asked me to be a part of the leadership team. But in order to do that, I had to go through some pretty intense training. And during that time, 
I, I really started to unpack uh, just some things that I've been working on. And this recovery program, um, it, it deals with obviously, you know, um, chemical substance and abuse, but it also deals with things like uh, eating disorders, trauma, uh, codependency, and I've heard everything really that you could possibly have. And um, it has changed me as a person. Um, I also, like I said, I don't think I'd be able to do what I'm doing right now had it not been for this recovery program. And in the recovery program, you learn giving back keeps you recovered. It helps you keep what you gain. So again, that loop. And um, it's also helped me realize that um, there's, there's sayings that I like to think of. It's like, you spot it, you got it. And I've learned, you know, what, like, I think about, like, what annoys me the most. And I laugh, like, I don't, I don't like a bossy broad. You don't like a bossy girl. <laughs> and I guess I could be rather bossy, I found out. So I love um, that saying, if you spot it, you got it. It's so true. You like your, bi- your biggest pet peeves are things that you have to work on. Yes. It's just so true. You spot it, you got it. Um, You know, check your motives. Like I said, maybe at the beginning of this, check your motives. Why are you behind the chair? Why are you an educator? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? And and then learning that sometimes my, my motivation hasn't always been the greatest. It's been pretty selfish sometimes. So, um, and somebody who struggles with codependency um, you know, there is that side to, you know, being a codependent that wants to be so seen and so heard that things can get sideways very quickly. That's me. So it, me too. Totally. And it's, you know, it's never easy to admit, Hey, I have a control issue or I, I sometimes I get angry. Um, I, I realized really within the last year, what my anxiety can look like, um, and also, too, just the comparison in social media. Oh, my gosh. That, for me, has been huge. Not comparing myself to people on social media and not comparing myself to likes and not comparing myself if someone comments on something and they don't comment on mine. I mean, I know it sounds silly, but we all do it. We all do that. And um, just being able to recognize that and be like, you know what, if I'm going to post this, I'm posting it for me. I'm posting it because I think this is good. I'm posting it. And you know what I've learned too? Likes don't equal success. No way. Likes do not equal success. They also don't equal, um, you know, uh, full books. You know, I'm, I don't have a lot of Instagram followers, (laughs) Um, but I got a, I'm telling you, I'm doing well and I got a busy book and I've got a wait list and I've got people reaching out and, you know, all of that, but through recovery, I've been able to see that. And I think sometimes our industry, as a matter of fact, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We can be so codependent in our industry. Can you tell, can you tell the audience what codependency is, what it looks like? Like, is that something you're open about going into? Sure. Um, you know, in recovery, we teach each other to stick to I statements. So I'll say what I think it is, um, you know, in my life. A lot of people think codependency is only when 
you have supposedly, um, you know, an addicted spouse or partner or whatever, but you can be codependent with yourself. You can be codependent on um, your job. You can be codependent in relationships, you know, um, you can be codependent to a place. I've seen, I've realized, you know, you can be codependent to a building. And that codependency is that, that unhealthy, toxic attachment to something that you have made up in your mind is serving you well. And my codependency has looked like in the past, just, you know, the comparison. Um, I don't know. I guess this is going to get really raw. You know, people, you know, trying to hook up with people that, you know, you want to be seen, you want to be heard, you want, you need that approval. I struggle with a rejection issue and abandonment from childhood issues. And so that's like my basement level right there of what I can always operate out of if I don't. And through that, the codependency, the little girl in me was always trying to be seen and heard and validated. And, and it got, it could get really toxic and unhealthy and, you know, like, and overdoing things, you know, like going not, not even over and beyond, but doing unnecessary things to be seen and heard, um, you know, draining my bank account, you know, to, to get someone something because I want them to like me, you know, uh, uh, going places I really don't want to go because I think that's what the group wants me to do, um, but, you know, and also just making up, you know, things like, I guess codependency sometimes in a salon atmosphere is just that constant comparison to that next stylist um, beside you or getting in an unhealthy relationship with your boss. <laughs> I mean, that could be a whole other podcast. Oh my God. Everything that you're saying, Melinda, is so fucking true. And like what my codependency, like just to share my experience, like one of the ways my codependency like shined through was in my first salon at Gina Bianca hair. And I was so attached to this salon and its performance that if the salon was doing well, I was doing well. If the salon wasn't doing well, I wasn't doing well. And I was completely attached to it. Like in a sense of oh, yeah. like my whole self-worth was like, I had KPIs for my self-worth. Like if pre-book wasn't good, if retail wasn't good, if productivity wasn't good, if I lost a certain amount of staff members, like I was like hopeless. Like it was like, I like how you said, like, where do you start? And I end like my salon was a part of me and that codependency, I didn't even realize that it was different oh, yeah. or unhealthy. I just saw that that was being a business owner and I never learned like the boundaries. I never learned that I'm worthy of, I'm worthy and valuable and amazing and perfectly imperfect with or without a fucking business or a bank account. And I'm still struggling with that of like, mm -hmm. am I even worth anything if I'm not doing this? Right. And you know, not to say, you know, it could be, you know, like I said, you could be very unhealthy unhealthy relationship and a codependent relationship with your boss in the salon and you feel like you're giving and you're giving and you're giving and you're not getting anything back but understanding you know it's never going to be enough when you're operating out of codependency it's never going to be enough your boss could do everything and you know write your name in the sky and your numbers and you know, call you out with the teammates and it's just never going to be enough because it's false reality. 
you still are battling with it. You're not good enough behind the chair or it wasn't, you know, good enough numbers. And so sometimes admittedly we can have, because I spent 30 years being the phallus behind the chair in a commission salon, salons, you know, it, it's unrealistic expectations on some of these owners. And then on the flip side of that, like you're saying as an owner, just, you know, having, not knowing how to create those boundaries within a work atmosphere. It's so difficult for salon owners to create those boundaries, especially when the salon owner struggles with codependency themselves. And in this business, we're really, codependency is in my opinion, from what I see difficulty with relationships and our business is all about relationships. Going back to the first statement, you can't not really be a people person to be in this industry. It's all about relationships. It is. It is. And then, you know, um, with codependency, this is never popular to say because a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, this person is a poor codependent and they always put others before themselves. And, you know, codependence, as a codependent, I've learned ways that I've tried to manipulate situations me to too. my benefit and, um, and always left me feeling empty, you know, having, you know, remorse or whatever, but, you know, in recovery and, and different programs, you know, they teach you, you know, the first step, man, coming out of denial realizing that we are powerless, powerless to do this we are powerless to do this on our own and so we need a community we need people to create that healthy atmosphere we need to understand that you know boundaries in the workspace are not a negative they are a super positive and they they create healthier relationships which stems down to your clients so that's just something that recovery has taught me and I'm learning it all the time. Um, it's always just so humbling to listen to people, um, be real and, you know, vulnerable and, you know, let's be honest. I mean, sometimes when we choose to have these difficult conversations with people and get vulnerable and own our stuff, we're going to get our asses handed to us. You know, one of my favorite my favorite people is Brene Brown. I, I just love her, um, her outtakes, her look on life, her vulnerability. Um, I, she just really like speaks to my soul because I think people in our industry and just in the world in general are just very tired of the BS and very tired of the not real people. I think that's why Gina, that even in our industry, this kind of came to me. We just, we go from education to education, to person, to person, from brand to brand, you know, and, and never staying somewhere and really being committed to it because we're looking for these unrealistic needs to be met when we'll, if we'll just stick with something and follow it through and, and not be like, education hopping not that I don't think you can't be in a lot of education things because I'm always looking but we're just so quick to jump well they're not doing it for me they're not meeting they're not saying what I want them to say they're not you know letting me you know I, something I love about Eugene is you're you're only going to let people be in that you know Eeyore state for so long 
you know, I like to call it the Eeyore, you know, sometimes in our industry and in life, we like to walk around with the pack in our ass saying, oh, woe is me, I don't know how I'm not booked, or I'm overbooked, or I'm tired, or my employees don't want to listen, and I'm tired of doing this, or my boss won't do this. And, and really, there's so much information out there for us right now. If we'll just listen and stay a little while, just stay a little while, stay a little while. Um, you know, if you find somebody that you connect with, that they're doing what you want, you want to do what you want to emulate, just stay with them for a little while. Um, and, and endure those difficult conversations, you know, I, because I mean, in the past year, we've been having a lot of difficult conversations. Totally. And, and I agree you know, with you. I, I totally yeah, so agree with you. I don't think everybody should be in recovery, honestly. Um, I, I'm all about breaking the stigma Me you too. Know, with mental, mental health issues and um, just all sorts of things. Um, I'd love to bring up like uh, in when I was in treatment back in September, one of the things that we had to do is set boundaries all day long. So like if somebody came up to us and asked us to do something, we would just have to say no. Like we would have assignment to be like, I want you to say no to five people today and like set a boundary and like learn how to say no because all the time we just say yes 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 even when we want to say no and that is like difficult like you have to train yourself to say no set a boundary let yeah. go of the outcome and if and you know sometimes like people would get really upset mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you know Most someone people get upset with boundaries yeah and it's like you know you say like no it's like, oh, can you do this for me? And you just say no. And then they like storm off and you have to be okay mm -hmm. with like, that's not about me. You exactly. know what I mean? That's not about me. So when your guest comes in and wants X, Y, and Z for this thing and, and that, and you can't do it. It's just like, you know, no is a complete sentence. You know, we, we have a, a, a obligation to our guests to provide excellent customer service and have great communication skills. So there are times where we have to explain, but if you're explaining, explaining, explaining until you're blue in the face, because you just don't have the confidence to just say no. Right. And if you can, if, if you can change, you know, um, what do they call it? It's like a paradigm shift. When you, when you create a paradigm shift is when you think one way and then something happens and there's a complete other way of looking at it and looking at boundaries do not feel good at first. I mean, I, I can literally, I was so immersed in codependency I didn't know how to set boundaries at all. You I'm know, working on it. It's really hard for me still. It's, it's so, super and, hard. And people don't like it. And I remember that one of the first major boundaries that I had to set with someone, and it was, I mean, quite honestly, it was really hard. It did not feel good for me at first. Um, I it just, I felt left out. I felt I was hurt. Um, part of me still was in that unhealthy way of like, well, I hope they know I'm setting this boundary. So they'll ask me, um, <laughs> you know, but that never happened. But over time, the more I stuck to that boundary, the better things got and the easier that it got. And also just, um, it, it, the less tired I got, you know, just having that mental weight lifted off of me and also shifting it over to my business. 
shifting it over to me. Sometimes the boundary you have to create is with yourself. And, you know, and then being able to do that with clients in a healthy way and looking at it and being like, this is not subtracting from my business. This is actually adding value to my business. And um, so that's also been another huge thing for me um, in learning and has spilt over into my everyday behind the chair. Totally. Everybody should be in recovery. <laughs> Everybody. I've gone to three meetings in three days. Yay! That's awesome. I've been Good having you, a, girl. I've been having a hard time going and like, because I'm always like, I could be working. Yeah, it's hard to break that mindset. You know, I love it because in celebrate recovery, it's also about balance and celebrating, celebrating the moments that we are able to set that boundary or that we got up and went to a meeting. Or if we said we were going to leave at five o'clock that day, we left at five o'clock that day. Um, or, you know, like I love your podcast on weight loss and it really resonated with me about getting up and how I start my day and pushing myself to, you know, have, have that good breakfast and start my day that way. It, you know, that seems like a small little thing to other people, but to me, that was a major win and I celebrate that. And, you know, because we want to keep that balance in life. And sometimes I don't think we, we just, we don't celebrate enough where we've come from, you know, especially, you know, if you're battling, um, you know, perfectionism and comparison and codependency, because it's always about someone else. And, um, but I'm learning along the way to stop and celebrate. Like I literally do that sounds so silly. I literally, after I did a balayage the other day, sat in my room and cried. <laughs> it was so good my body was so good and I knew in myself from a technical point I've like worked on this so hard and I it was so good it was just and I just sat there and I allowed myself to feel proud of myself and you know it, it's small to some people but I celebrated in that moment you know I I feel really good about this and it's okay for us to say, you know what? We have so much trouble receiving. Um, we used to do this thing early on in education. I'll have to do, I'll have to do the exercise with you. Boy, is it a daily. It's about giving and receiving. And as hairdressers, we give and give and give and give, but it's so hard for us to receive back. But if we want that healthy relationship with our business, we have to be able to come in there and receive that and, and celebrate these moments. Um, that's another thing that'll help us, you know, when we're moving towards, you know, burnout sometimes in our career, but, um, just taking the moments to really celebrate one another and how far we've come. Um, so yeah, I cried over a balayage there. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. It was a damn good one. Let me tell you. You know, so. you inspire me so much, Melinda. I just want to be like you. Oh, Gina, I love you. I'm grateful for you. Um, so grateful to have this education. Um, I so wish every young stylist could sit at the network or be in mastermind and just feel this way and, and just stick with it, you know, and um, or just link arms with somebody and just 
begin to implement that into their business and then add yourself to it. Um, well, you can be more of yourself. Like you can be more of yourself when you're supported and when you have that confidence and you have that, like, like almost the relaxed feeling of like, I know what to do. Like when you have that education, when you have that like confidence and certainty, like you can be more of who you are, like, and your signature ends up on it. Like my most successful days, months, years as a stylist was when I had, you know, I was like five years into my career. I knew where the hair fell. You know, I know where the hair is going to fall. I understand the the product I'm using. You know, I was using the product mm-hmm. line. I was using Paul Mitchell for like 10 years and I was really like confident in everything. And my best years as a stylist was when I had that confidence and I put my signature on mm-hmm. everything. I created my own techniques. That's why I always say, like, if you get strategic color placement, use my beautiful foundation and and understand why you're doing and b- be yourself, like make it yours. Because my yeah. mission is to give people that confidence and certainty. I hope that made sense. But like, that's when you can like be who you really are is when you don't feel so alone and uncertain. Absolutely. You know, and I love like, Um, I think our industry is moving towards, you know, um, I love the podcast where you had Robert Crummies on it and he talked about just different ways. If if your listeners haven't listened to that, man, they should, I've listened to it twice. And he talked about just like, um, the safety of our salons now. And, um, you know, he changed my mind on a lot of stuff. Oh, I just went back and listened and it solidified a lot for me. Like, our clients, I had a, a client wrote me in a Christmas card. It was so sweet. You know, she's been working from home and, and she said, you have been the one certainty to me during this time. When I come to you, I know that, uh, you know, I'm going to have a good time and we're going to talk. And she was like, I kind of took those things for granted all these years until you know, I was at home, working from home, not seeing a lot of people. She was like, I knew that when I came and saw you, it was going to be a safe place, not just a clean place, but a safe place for me. And, you know, it was just such a reminder that salons are representing so much more to our clients now, um, you know, and I, his his whole thing like on the safety and the cleanliness and letting our clients know about those things but also just this is a safe place you know they say that in recovery too this is a safe place and you know we talk about being therapists and counselors as hairdressers and one of the things they say too is you know what you hear here um what you hear here what you say here stays here, here and i'm here. like man i better here here exactly and i'm like i bet a hairdresser wrote that because so many times that's what happens in our chair. And that's the part that really draws people to you. And um, you're right. Having the security of the business and adding yourself to the techniques and things like that gives you that um, confidence and that security in the future. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful that I've been exposed to it. And I'm excited. I mean, I know it might not be popular right now to say it, but I'm very excited about what 2021 has to offer me through educators like you um, and, and how to do things 
differently and creatively ways. Um, it, to me, it's been kind of exciting to see some people out here during all this. They got so creative, Gina. They've gotten so creative in how they're serving their customers and their guests. And um, it, it's been rather inspiring. It's kind of uh, separated, um, I think, the, the true leaders um, in our industry. Um, yeah, just the creativity, I think, has, has been a very defining line drawn where people are going to start gravitating towards that creative business mind and not business as usual. And here's my product, buy my product. Totally. Tell me about Studio Blush. Can you believe it? I did the business in the middle of a pandemic. Um, <laughs> kind of back to the beginning. Never, never saw myself doing this. Quite honestly, never wanted to do this. I've always been very happy to be a support system in a salon and, and lead from behind the chair and, and be that encourager. But um, yeah, I'm a mom and I have a 25 year old daughter and she uh, decided in this too, she's always wanted to do a boutique and so she opened a boutique online and was doing well and just needed help and you know, some of the best things in life come at you very quickly, Gina, <laughs> very quickly, even though you kind of look back and think, oh my gosh, I, I feel like God's been preparing this, you know, preparing this in me my whole life. But it just one thing led to another. She needed help. And, you know, as a mom, I I thought, well, you know, now's the time. I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna I'm gonna help my daughter build. And so that's where Studio Blush um, was birthed and knew I did not really want to have a commission salon. Um, but I, I wanted to create a place where I could also encourage people and help them and motivate them. So we took a, um, an old um, doctor's office and turned it into salon suites. And um, I certainly didn't do it because of the pandemic, but it certainly has been successful for us because people love being in suites right now. Um, they feel safe. And uh, Courtney, my daughter, has um, her little boutique here. And you know, we kind of thought one would just play into the other, you know, bringing in business and it's just gone so well, it, but the, again, the biggest part of it is um, it's been so good for, for me and my clients, you know, to be in that room, to talk and because other things are going on out there, you know, besides COVID, people have a whole lot more stuff going on, not to downplay COVID at all, but there's also life happening to other people. So I've tried to create a space um, where I have fun and you know, um, they give other people in their in their rooms that they rent to brand themselves and for them to have fun while I can mentor and educate. And um, one of the biggest things is, is I get to sew back into the community in the way that I want to. And that's so important to me. What does that uh, look very like? Very important to me. Oh, gosh, it's been so fun. We've done the food pantry collection there's a um an elementary school that's just down the road and you know teachers have had a, a hard time you know oh my goodness i'm so glad i don't have a kid in school right now but um you know it's been hard on the school system and so what we did is we collected library books uh, we had our clients come in and uh, bring books and that was something fun for them you know people want to give back sometimes they just don't know how and so when you create a space 
for people to give back and, and you create, I always found, you know, you're always going to have people who have money and you're going to people who have time. And when you bring those, those groups of people together, great things can happen. So we did a book drive. Um, we've done the food pantry. Uh, next month I'm going to do, um, I'm, I'm into balloon arches. I'm so over the top all the time, but yeah, your Valentine's Day uh, situation it was, was great, amazing. You know, and it's also giving us ways to serve our clients in special ways. You know, like you talk, you know, with variety. What can I do? What can you know? How can I get creative? Um, we did uh, a COVID safe. Um, they're called charcuteries to give to our clients. We did packaged cookies. Um, just you know, with our logo on it. But for um, St. Patrick's Day, I'm going to do, you know, a big rainbow balloon in my lobby. And at the end, I'm going to have a pot of gold and we're going to collect for a local charity and have clients because I want that to be that loop. I don't want to be a business that is um, separate from the community. I want to be immersed in it. We have a a raffle going on right now, too. Um, I've partnered with several other small businesses in the area to get the word out about them because... Some are doing really well. Some are struggling. So we all came together and did an amazing basket for a giveaway. And, um, you know, it just creates that community feel. I'm, I'm all about community and giving back because that keeps me healthy and recovered. Um, that's the lane I got to live in. So in some ways, doing hair is just what I do. <laughs> There's so many other things that this, I'm, this chair drives me to, and I'm grateful for it. Wow. It's amazing, Melinda. And it's so inspiring. Like, I have to be honest, like at GBH, we were always doing something like this, like always, always, always. And then now with the new salon and I'm traveling, I'm doing this and it's like so hard to do everything. Like you're re-inspiring me to like get back into the community even more. We do stuff here and there, but definitely not what we used to because it gets so busy and there's always an excuse and all of that. But like, I really am inspired by this conversation. Well, thank you. I, I think it helps you. It helps keep you, um, you know, it helps your spirits. It keeps you lifted. And, you know, as hairdressers, we are just given such an amazing opportunity to come into people's lives in a real way, especially, again, this last year. Just, you know, coming in and being a part of people's lives in a real tangible way. And, you know, when you get creative with that and, and, you know, I'm like, Eugenia, I love bringing people together that I love bringing people together. And I love surrounding myself with people who are better than me. And, and I love seeing people work together. Um, I've um, had just a restaurant down the street. Um, it's such a funny story. His wife came in. She got her haircut for me and she liked her haircut. And the reason she liked her haircut is I didn't cut it all off. Okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't some magic hair thing, but her husband owns a restaurant. And so we've just been going there a lot and supporting them. And my daughter was there the other day and he's like, where's your mom? And she's like, oh, she's working. And he was like, oh, it's the holidays. So I bet she's really busy. He created this whole little lunch for me and had Courtney bring it by because he knew I was at the salon. And let me tell you. I will forever promote his business because of his kindness and that he saw me. And, you know, what's that old saying? People don't know, don't care what you know till they know how much you care. 
And I want my community to know how much I care about it. And, and, you know, and that's, that's the network and that's mastermind, you know, that's Gina Bianca's world is, you know, we want people to know how much we care about them and that we see them. And it doesn't matter if you have a gazillion followers or you have 200, we see you, you know, we see you and we see the work that you're putting in and we see how hard you're trying and, and we see and celebrate with you. That's what I love about the network and your education. It, it just, it's just such a level ground of community of people. And we need it. We just need it right now. We need it always. So I'm so grateful to have found it and to be a small extension of that. Um, You're a huge part own. of Mastermind. <laughs> I, love, I love my Mastermind people. I love the community. I, I just love it. I love the whole feel of it. It's become a lifeline to me. I can't wait to be back. Can you take a picture of all of the, like every month, whatever you're doing, can you take a picture of it and share it in there so we can learn from you? Oh, I have the best Valentine's marketing thing ever. Yeah, put and that also, in there. And you know, I've got a girl helping me. I've got a girl helping me. I've learned in recovery. My control, it comes back and I don't think I'm good enough. But releasing control and letting people work in their gifting, it only elevates me and them. It's such a win-win when we let go and let other people lead and be a part of what we're doing in some way, shape, or form, whatever that looks like, um, you know, for a stylist. But I can't encourage people more, you know, to let people lead, make them be a part of it. Um, people support what they help create. Absolutely. They do. It's such a good one. Yes. Yeah, it's such a We've got a lot of good quotes on this one. We do, you know, and I can't, I can't get off here without saying to, you know, I see, like we said, we see people trying and just remember, you know, honey, it's, it's progress, not perfection. If you got up and went to work this morning and you did hair and you greeted your clients and you did, you did good. <laughs> you did good. You know, sometimes winning is just getting up out of bed and going and doing what you say you're going to do. Um, and I, I just encourage everyone listening to this, you know, you're, you're more than enough and you're doing it. You know, a lot of times we're like, I'm trying, I'm trying. It's like, no sister, you're doing it. I see you doing it. And that's huge. And um, gosh, come, come be with us and mastermind, come be with us at the network, reach out. Um, there's just a wealth of community there with so many talents um, in Mastermind. It's crazy, the people that are in Mastermind and hooked up with the network. I know. I love it. Well, tell people where they can find you if they want to follow you. I urge you to connect with Melinda. Uh, if you're if you're listening and you connected with this podcast, she's one of the most amazing people I've ever connected with. And you've enriched my life in so many ways more than you can ever know. Like you help me believe in me and you help me know I'm on the right path. Like I feel like you're an angel in my life and you just help me know I'm doing the right thing. And it's really good to have somebody like you in my life. So I tell them where they could find you and how they can follow you. Okay. So my name, you know, Melinda Cumbie comes from recovery, 
but I changed my Instagram name um, not too long ago, a year ago, to the Purpose Driven Chair. So on Instagram, I'm the Purpose Driven Chair. Um, that was kind of another thing I talked about with a friend, and through Gina, I realized, you know, that my it's okay to change your Instagram name for God's sake. That's such a huge thing. I don't know why it's such a huge thing, but it was. And um, I'm the Purpose Driven Chair. And I'd love to have you follow me, and I'd love to follow you back. But um, most of all, I, I would love to meet you at the network. Come be with us. <laughs> I love you so much. I love you. <laughs> I love you, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for giving so much to the podcast and to my audience. I'm, I know they're going to love it and I'm sure they're going to fall in love with you. Obviously what's not to love. You're the best. So thank you, Melinda. I love you. you, I love you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, honey.